This is Nuri Shahin, and you are listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello all and welcome to episode 177 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host as always, Stefan Butzko. And I'm joined by two guys as most of the time on, on this panel. Uh, this time it's the one and only Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. Hello, hello. It's good to have you on as we uh, will discuss Borussia Dortmund's 4-0 win over Benfica. And we will also look forward to their game against Hertha Berlin and... I wouldn't say for that, but also for that joins us uh, my colleague from ESPN, Stefan Oersfeld. Hello, Stefan. Welcome to the show. Hello. Good to be on. Yeah, it's our pleasure. And uh, without any further ado, we have to talk about Borussia Dortmund's 4-0 win. Um, Stefan, usually we talk about uh, general thoughts or takeaways from the game. And since you are the guest and Lars Pullman isn't here for this show, I will hand it over to you now. Do you have any general takeaways from this game that make you happy or sad? <laughs> well, <laughs> our young guy, uh, Pulisic, has really uh, filled in for, for Marco Reus, um, which is great to see. Um, his, his hunger for goals, his, um, well, his dedication. Um, it's interesting to see an 18-year-old uh, play like that, really matured. Um, That was pretty good. It's good to uh, to see Dortmund can actually show up in big matches, um, which wasn't the case in the, the first leg at Benfica. Um, but they never really ran into problems, so I will probably go into some of the problems later. And uh, it feels like Tuchel actually is arriving at Dortmund, um, which is also good to see. Three takeaways. Yeah, that's a nice handful of takeaways um matthias um has tuchel arrived <laughs> i think he has i mean you can see certain players because again there was a lot of change i mean you think about it it's the second season of major change also in in the uh, playing squad uh probably this season more than in tuchel's first season and you can kind of see they're starting to understand it play better i have to say um, because I've probably, I've been a, a vocal critic of him. I've been quite impressed how, uh, Mark Batra has improved, especially now in the second half of the season. And he was, he played very, very well yesterday. I, I have to say I was actually impressed by him. Yeah. Marcel Schmetzer said after the game that it's also down to automatism, which made me really happy to hear. Uh, he just said that uh, the back three really suits Mark Bartra and, uh, you know, that it's, it's good that they play consistently in the back three. So, you know, automatism or routine or whatever you want to call it can build. Um, 
I've been uh, gossiping on about Mr. Mark Batra enough, but uh, Stefan, I want to give you the chance uh, to say a few cents on on him, a few words. <laughs> well, I, I didn't like what I saw um, during the first half of the season, um, like most of us. Um, it actually feels like um, back three suits him, and but also Dortmund have found a defensive formation of some sort. Um, with Sokrates, with Batra and uh, Pisek mostly playing there. Um, so it really helps to study the defense um, as well as uh, having Berkey behind the back line because um, they struggled under Weidenfeller, uh, with, with Weidenfeller in goal. Um, I'm sure they conceded about 20 goals in 11 games or 12 games uh, to 18 under Berkey. Um, so that really helps, but um, you can see he's he's won confidence over the last couple of games. Um, his passes, although not reaching um, his teammates, sometimes um, are way better in the, than in the first half of the season. Still, you had this pass against Wolfsburg before he got injured uh, during the five-two, five-one win. Um, To Rafael yeah. Guerrero to prepare the first goal, right? The assist. Yeah. That's what yeah. you mean. Yeah, that was a really wonderful good pass. pass. Um, but again, oh, it feels like he's arrived. And I, I think Tuchel said last week, um, it's also about picking up language, uh, getting to know the league. Um, probably needed some time to, to adjust to your uh, German lifestyle to, to Bundesliga and uh, leaving Barcelona after so many years. Yeah, certainly. Um, Stefan, I know you don't have too much time on, on the show because, uh, you know, you probably want to watch Schalke against Gladbach. <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, actually, you, you, you told us there are different matters, but, uh, you know, I'm, I really want to watch the game. So let's get to it. Um, a 4-0 win. Although it wasn't as straightforward, Matthias, um, there's a point and I think Thomas Hochel said it after the game as well, like the last 20 minutes in a, in a, uh, First half weren't really as dandy. Benfica looked to be the better side. Um, is this positive for Dortmund that uh, they can withstand such a, let's say, poor face in the Champions League, or is it is it negative that they even have one? Well, I, I, you know, I would say they got a little bit lucky because Benfica is known for. Uh, <laughs> Not being very potent in front of goal, shall we say? Um, I think better strikers would have punished Dortmund in those 20, 30 minutes before uh, the end of the first half. But, you know, they, they could have crumbled. I was starting to get a little bit worried. Um, and obviously they made some, some tweaks, if nothing else, just mentally at halftime and came out and were completely dominant. So, Uh, I, I think it's it was a good learning curve for both Tuchel and the team because in the next three rounds, <laughs> should there be three more rounds for Dortmund, uh, but in the you know at least in the next round, whoever they face is going to be significantly more clinical in front of goal than Benfica, and those kind of lapses that they showed will be punished. Yeah, let's let's speak about those lapses. Um Stefan, we, we talked about it briefly ahead of the show. Benfica didn't really have any clear cut chances, uh minus the 
the chance uh, I think Shervi had when he was allowed a crack on goal by Lukas Piszczek, but that was just an individual mistake. Um, but but how did you see Dortmund losing control of of, of the game? What, what were the reasons for that? They basically um, scored early on, um, played wild for a couple of minutes, uh, but but never found their their shape in midfield. Um, you could see that um, it was really difficult for for Castro to gain control of the match, um, and he disappeared for a while, uh, which made it uh, easier for for Benfica to control midfield. Um, when he showed up again uh, late in the first half, it all changed. Uh, you also had um, Dembele didn't look to to get out there uh, yesterday. Um, he had well temper problems maybe um and um i think they just uh, well they gave up their control uh, by by being too wild uh, but by wanting it too much in the first 10 minutes and then uh, somehow not continuing or not scoring and um well just losing their shape or not finding it at all um got better in the second half Yeah, definitely. Without a doubt. Uh, yeah. Usman Dembele actually suffered six fouls of, of all players. I, I think the uh, second highest number was Mitroglou and Eliseo, who suffered three fouls on, on the Dortmund team. It was only Pulisic, Weigel and Durm who suffered two. Otherwise, not too many fouls actually. Both, uh, um, ben Benfica below the Magic 20, as Thomas Tuchel will call it, 17 fouls, and Dortmund just uh, committed 13, so overall it was a fair game. But yeah, Dembele was really close to a yellow card, uh, second yellow card, that is. And uh, sorry, Mr. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang talked about this uh, in the mix zone. I have to say there are a couple of questions coming in German, but uh, I guess you can make it out, out of context what he actually said. Endlich wieder ein neuer Ball für Curtis. War er schon ungeduldig? Yeah, I think uh, we'll be happy, but also for Pierre, my second son. So, okay. Oh, okay. yeah, they, they, they will be happy for sure. Yeah. <laughs> About the match today, um, 1-0 very early, then it was a little difficult in yeah. between. How did you see the match? Yeah, I think uh, it's right. Uh, we start very, very good with good energy. We score fast in the game. And after, uh, I don't know what's happened. Maybe everybody was thinking, yeah. Yeah, we are winning 1-0, so we will do it. But uh, after the first half, I think the coach uh, speak good, give some gas. And uh, in the second half, uh, yeah, we start very good and we won the, the second half. This was the most important. The coach in the press conference just said that you talked with Dembélé in halftime because he yeah. almost saw a second yellow card. Yeah. Is that true? And what did you tell him? Yeah, it's true. I, I just told him... Uh, Please don't take a red card because after it's it's over for us. So that's what I say to him. Uh, I just say, yeah, keep calm. Only this because everybody wants to speak with him. Hey, keep calm and everything. But uh, I know he's listen to me when, when I speak. So. <laughs> <laughs> and I just told him, yeah, please don't don't take red card. And he say, okay, okay. And, and he told you three, scored three goals. And yeah, of course he told me he scored three goals. Okay. Yeah, that was Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. The taps you heard was him tapping on the ball he took home as uh, he scored the hat-trick. Uh, Matthias, first question should have 
been a second yellow for Usman Dembele after he uh, completed the referee and a couple of seconds or a minute later uh, he egged down a player with a yeah, strong challenge? Well, I mean, in my opinion, he deserved a booking for that actual foul. That first time around, he doesn't deserve a booking because, first of all, it wasn't a foul if you watched it. I mean, he put his hand on, I don't even remember who it was. Was it Semedo, I think, uh, from, from Benfica? He put his hand on his shoulder, and a guy who's literally twice his size falls down like he just got pushed over by a giant. And it, you know, uh, Usman got frustrated and showed some frustration to the ref, who would not take such a slight even though I've seen Martin Atkinson getting absolutely railed in the Premier League by players. So that was a bit of an overreaction to give him a booking there because it wasn't even a foul. So he deserved one yellow card, I think, if he would have gotten a second one. I think uh, the ref realized that, yeah, that was a bookable offense, the second one. Maybe he, the ref, overreacted the first time as well, and a talking to him would have been better to the teenager. Uh, that's why he didn't do it. But... Uh, you know, in the, the second half, uh, a Benfica player arguably should have gotten a second yellow card for actually two fouls that were yellow card worthy. So it, it's okay. Yeah, since it's 4-0, you can look past it, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> Matthias can let it slide. Um, Stefan, we obviously also have to talk about Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang himself. He now scores a hat-trick. I think that was a, his first hat-trick in a Champions League. Um, do you have any exp explanation for his rediscovered efficiency? Confidence, maybe. Just, uh, somehow find the back of the net and, uh, start. Is it that easy? I think it's, I think it's that easy. Um, <clears throat> you see him, um, play at, at, at Benfica and, um, well, he missed two, three sitters and one penalty. Um, chances he'd, he'd usually score. Like, uh, you remember the first situation where it's, Clear in front of the goal, uh, 10 meters maybe, and, uh, that's usually when he starts, uh, just chipping the ball over the goalkeeper, uh, one of his trademark moves. Um, he didn't do that. He tried to hammer it into the goal, uh, didn't work out. Um, and from there he lost it. And, uh, obviously he was, he was still, um, recovering from, from the, uh, Africa Cup of Nations. Um, I think that's, um, Just traveling there, no, um, no real training with the team. It doesn't help a player. And, um, well, he's, he's back now. And, um, maybe even they told him not to worry about his future too much or something will happen anyway. Um, so he's just, uh, fully focused on Dortmund and, uh, on his Nike logos in his hair. <laughs> Yeah, I, I hardly saw that when he uh, went past me in the mix zone uh, at the Leverkusen Nobody game. Nobody saw like, that. It was just. I was what? like, what's that red stripe in his hair? I actually didn't realize it was a Nike sign, a Nike label, and, and, until I saw it somewhere in the news that Dortmund apparently were upset about it. But they didn't. Like, they seriously? But it was like uh, a Sky interview, and uh, they asked Sork, and Sky interview lasted for about maybe four seconds, five seconds. And um, I, they saw it before um, because he had it ever since traveling to London a couple of days prior to that match. Um, so, but it's, well, people love that sort of stories. 
for whatever Well, reason. I don't. Yep. So well, let's you're doing not a talk podcast. about it anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But I get to dictate a little bit what's on the show and what's not. Indeed. So, so, so there, there it is. Um, sadly, no, no Nike hair talk anymore. Um, though, Stefan, what was your favorite goal? Um, of the three Aubameyang scored? The, the second one. Uh, with, with that great smells across. Yeah, <laughs> I was just gonna ask. Let me guess. It probably was the the cross. Uh... But um, obviously, um, Pulisic scored the goal of the game. Um, just oh yeah, definitely. He Aubameyang scored, but uh, what what Pulisic did uh, was was some sort of magic for an eighteen year old. <laughs> Just yeah, continue to tell. Or Ma Matthias, do you want to talk about Pulisic? I, I always want to talk about Pulisic. Okay, it's, then go uh, ahead. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, in, in uh, you know, going beyond Christian Pulisic is the fact that, you know, once again, these uh, Kinderfußballer, as Marcel Reif called them, are playing like seasoned veterans. You know, the ones that apparently Dortmund are lacking all the time. Uh, so no, it's, it's great to see he is, uh, without a shadow of a doubt, um, the most talented U.S. soccer player of the last eh, 15 years, at least. Um, and that's evident because he's actually making strides at a top club in Germany and, uh, and obviously on the big stage of the Champions League and a very important Uh, Champions League tie, and it's it speaks volumes the fact that you have Dembele and Pulisic there, and then Schüler on the bench, a World Cup winner. So Christian Pulisic, he he's he's very direct, he's fast. There were a few cases in there where he he could have played a better pass or his movement could have been better, but again, he is just 18. He is literally only going to get better, which is really, really scary for the opposition and great for us. Um, so I love his pace, his vision, his technical ability. That was a, a goal, uh, like Stefan said, of the absolute highest quality. And to have him do it right after that really, you know, emotional blow against Leverkusen where Marco Royce once again got injured for a, a I mean, not Super long period, but still, you know, three, four weeks is long enough. Uh, and, you know, I think now everyone's feeling pretty good um, because Christian is just having a fantastic season, just like uh, Usman Dembele. Yeah, definitely. But, uh, Stefan, since you are here, we have to, to uh, have to talk about things that aren't going too well. Um There was a nice feature on uh, Borussia Dortmund's youth in the 442 magazine titling um, The Kids Are Alright. However, I discovered that Emre Moore wasn't part of that feature. So is he not alright? And uh, Matthias also just mentioned André Schöle. Uh, what's with him? <laughs> Where is Emre Moore? <clears throat> I haven't seen him around in, in the squad for a couple of weeks. So. Yeah, um... I think we're, we're not going to see uh, much more of Emre Moore um, for now at Dortmund. Um, he he uh, probably will be one of the guys sent on loan uh, in the summer. They're not going to sell him, but um, 
Well, we were discussing Usmane Dembele's uh, foul or not foul early on. Um, you might remember the first, the reverse fixture against Hertha um, back in October um, when he got sent off for for a foul on or not a foul uh, for pushing Lustenberger over or some some Hertha. I think it was Langkamp. Langkamp, yeah, but that two meter two meter guy from from Hertha. Um, he needs to uh, <laughs> mature, and um, obviously he doesn't do it. Um, I think that's one of the reasons he's not not in the squad. Is um, he's maybe not understanding the tactics, or it's it's harder for him to learn it. Um, there there must be some kind of uh, problem for him. Um, as with with Schürrle, I'm not sure why they paid so much money. Are they they actually take Schürrle, Rode, and um, Götze? And they were burned uh, about 70 million last summer. And you had Don Mourinho to it and um, a few more. And uh, you get to 90 million euros spent for not a lot of playing time, not a lot of uh, return. Um, so Dortmund are building a team with young, hopeful players, which is totally fine. Um, and uh, well, they're betting on them. So a few players will develop, others won't develop, um, but the overall outcome, um, like transfer income, will be higher anyway. Um, I think that's that's one of their plans to um, establish themselves as as a team developing players for the, for the super clubs, and uh, by that, in a couple of years' time, maybe reaching those super clubs because it's uh, they gotta somehow close the gap. Um, so I'm not sure. Um, I was never. <laughs> Never too convinced of um, Ember Moore anyway. And Schürrle, well, didn't we all see it coming? Sort of, I guess. I don't, I don't, I don't know what what to say anymore about Andre Schürrle. So let's just move on. Um, Matthias, uh, you obviously uh, are the oldest one here on the panel, so uh, <laughs> you, you get to talk about the choreo now. <laughs> I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I mean, obviously the score and the goals were great, but you know, that was, that was truly a highlight. I, I was really hoping at the end there'd be a fifth goal because it would have been, you know, poetic, really. Um, you know, I mean, that was, you know, the, the first huge highlight for Borussia Dortmund on the international stage was that match against Eusebio's uh, Benfica uh, side way back when. Uh, 1963. 63. Yep. Uh, you know, they turned a 1-2 a deficit into a a 6-2 aggregate victory, 5-0. Um, and, and I also thought it was great that they had a few players from that team at the stadium uh, I, you know, I mean, that's, that's really nice. Obviously, one of the players, um, that, that would have been there, unfortunately, is no longer with us, of course, with Aki Schmidt. But it, it, it's one of those things that kind of launched Dortmund into their big successes in the 1960s, which, you know, um, obviously, uh, culminated with the, uh, Cup Winners' Cup victory. So, uh, to, to kind of, you know, history not quite repeating itself because Benfica in 1963 is basically what 
of Barcelona or Real Madrid are today, or Bayern in terms of a super dominant super club. And they are obviously miles away from that because they have only once made it to the quarterfinals in the Champions League. So, uh, it was, it was a, a great, great, uh, choreography. Cause I have to say, when they first started out, I just saw it was, you know, the yellow bars and the black bar. I'm like, oh, okay, you know, that's kind of weak. And then what, of course, came after that was more than impressive. Cause of course, the Benfica choreo, in the first leg was was quite nice too but this yeah, definitely, definitely topped it definitely i mean uh you know overall from the fan perspective i think it were two great trips to the Estadio Daluth and uh, the Westfalenstadion so you know i'm happy for both sets of fans there um stefan when we talk about uh, dortmund winning uh, against benfica in 1963 and that probably did something with the self understanding of the club but uh, did this win and uh, the the way they won also did something with the self-understanding of this team or for this team, uh, considering there are still a lot of young players on on there? Well, it makes the international season a success already. Um, whatever happens now, um, only big teams left, um, but maybe Leicester, um, the only team still with a chance to qualify, smaller to side. Um, gives the team a future, um, maybe allows... Uh, Tuchel to go into the next season? Uh, should he continue his run in the Bundesliga as well? Should the team continue the run? Um, so it's pretty crucial because um, qualifying for the last 16 is one thing, but uh, actually at least winning one knockout stage clash um, is really important for a club to uh, to be recognized internationally. So you want to sign new players, um, they rather join a club who played in the quarterfinals or semifinals of uh, Champions League and is in Champions League next season. Um, it helps, probably helps to, um, to get players to sign new contracts if, if needed. Um, well, there's currently the discussion of, uh, Royce extending his contract, um, uh, which he sort of announced in the Hindu in uh, India. Um, so, yeah, it gives the team a future by the way they did it. Um, everyone sees it's not the Dortmund 2013 edition, but it's a new team and they rebuild and uh, they're back on the bigger stage now. Um, the biggest stage, obviously, being the last four or the final. Um, and that's still a long shot for this team because they are, uh, as discussed earlier, um, still a young side. Um, they've got problems at the back still. Um, and in midfield. But hey, it's the last eight of Champions League. It's not too bad. No, not too bad at all. Uh, Matthias, uh, it's too bad that uh, Stefan has to leave us in eight minutes, but it's not too bad that we uh, don't have to talk about Hertha for that long. Nevertheless, <laughs> we, we do have to. Um, it's uh, the third encounter of the season after Dortmund drew uh, their league match against them 1-1 and uh, took the... Uh, Cup game against them also two uh, penalties so also 1-1 one, one in uh, normal time so um, since Hertha Berlin for some reason are topping the home table of the Bundesliga right now meaning they're the strongest team at home uh, what does it uh, loom for Dortmund now going to the Olympiastadion on Saturday 
Well, um, you know, I don't, you know, you don't like it when I use a certain term for a game. Trap game? Yeah, and this definitely smells like one. Um, because, uh, Dolmen are on a great run. We know that they like to drop form after a Champions League match. Seems to be a long time curse. And Hata, like you already mentioned, are very, very good at home. Uh, they're solid defensively. Dortmund hasn't been able to defeat them in 90 minutes this season, uh, despite two matches previously, like you already mentioned. Uh, I don't think this is a match that Hata are going to win, uh, but I also don't think this is a match that Hata are going to lose. All right, that gives us a little hint on your <laughs> prediction there. Um, Stefan, um Bayern Munich recently dropped points there, but when they did, the pitch was still atrocious. Now, I am one of the people who think that the pitch and the pitch quality makes a huge difference, especially for a team like Dortmund. Um, do you think it'll help Dortmund a lot to maybe get a win, or do you think in the end it still won't be enough to beat Hertha? I think... They played on a pretty bad pitch uh, last year when they beat them in the cup last four. Um, and the um, problem with Hertha is they, they're going to drag down uh, Dortmund to their level, like they drag down every team. Uh, and uh, it doesn't make a difference whether to play um, in Goldstadt or Bayern. The game will look pretty similar. Um, and Mitchell Weiser will return. Probably in the starting formation. So, um. Yep, that's big news for him. Indeed, it is. Um, he was excellent in the reverse fixture. Yeah. And so, um, I'm not too confident going into the match. Um, but, um, they're gonna break that curse, that Champions League curse at some point. So, um, why not at Hertha? I don't know. I think there are a couple of reasons why not at Hertha. Um, Socrates, from whom we will hear in a, in a couple of minutes, um, he, he said that he, he was a bit injured after the game. His, uh, thigh tightened up after a corner in the last couple of minutes, which is why Matthias Ginter came on. And yeah, hello to Simon the podcast doc, who is now also on the show. Uh, roaming around here. Um, Stefan Usman Dembelo also cramped up. So do you think Tuchel will, flick on the rotation machine and, and bring players that uh, we haven't seen in a while. It's better not, dude. Um, if, if he has a chance, um, they, sh they should have enough quality, those players uh, who haven't played in a while, um, to, to uh, play at Osnabrück when they face Lotto, Lotto next week. Um, but it's it's pretty crucial to get those points at Hertha um, because should Hertha win it, They narrowed the gap to three points. Uh, probably uh, well, Hoffenheim might pass Dortmund, and you're entering a new round of discussion on uh, whether Dortmund will actually end up in Champions League next season. But if they win, um, they're pretty much clear of Hertha, and uh, Frankfurt are playing at Bayern, so it would look very, very good uh, for securing at least a fourth place finish. Uh, going into the international break, um, which is coming up fairly soon. Um, so don't rotate, Mr. Tuchel. 
<laughs> okay, yeah, Hoffenheimer playing away to Freiburg, just uh, to say that. Uh, Matthias, do you think, uh, same question to you, that, that uh, Tuchel will rotate? And if so, who and why? I think we may see André Schürrle. <laughs> um, I, I wouldn't be shocked if if he got on the pitch. Um, maybe Shinji Kagawa. I don't know. Um, I don't see a vast array of changes coming. I think you'll see more changes next week against Lotte. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, this is an opportunity right now for Dortmund within the next three, four match days to potentially catch Leipzig, which I think by the end of the season, they will have caught Leipzig. Um, well, so, well, Mr. Ösfeld looking down, Mr. Zug looking up here in the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know me, I'm an optimist. Uh, at least we're not being relegated, like another member of the panel, not today on the show, <laughs> predicted before the season. So um, I think uh, I, I think it's a great opportunity, and I would also recommend not too much rotation, but maybe one or two. Uh, for for a breather, at least maybe for 60 minutes. I do wonder, though, if uh, Tuchel will bring back Rafael Guerrero because, uh, you know, Dortmund need to break through against Seto on the wings if they want to do it. Um, then again, uh, Guerrero would probably go up against Mitchell Weiser. So uh, there's always a question mark behind Guerrero's defensive element. <laughs> Let's put it this way. So um I'm I'm really intrigued to see that and and one one point we can actually make about the last game about the cup game where those two played against each other is that Dortmund uh, wasted a fairly decent amount of chances and uh, had they converted them they would have easily strolled to a to a win in, in normal time uh Stefan since Dortmund seemed to have rediscovered their efficiency in front of goal do you think uh this will then easily make the difference and they should get away with a win, a.k.a. your prediction before you go? Um, yeah. Um, but they scored 20 goals in uh, four games now, or 16 goals in four games. Well, my set coming out of that was uh, three clean sheets out of the last four games. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. well it's, it's uh, only two conceded uh, against Leverkusen. Um, well, you got two of uh, the league's best keepers meeting Um Gotta hand it to uh, to Jarstein that he's he's playing a very very good season. Um, so um, maybe not about efficiency, but uh, this summer get past uh, Jarstein who also saved a fantastic Aubameyang penalty in the reverse fixture. Um, we'll see. Um, I'm I'm pretty confident they can actually break that Champions League curse. Um, they won't uh, play Bornich. Or, left back and uh, everything will be fine Saturday 17.20 local time okay so what's your scoreline um, 3-1 for Dortmund okay Matthias uh, I'm sticking with what I said earlier I think it's going to be a third one or a, th a third draw essentially after 90 minutes so it'll be one all Okay, I'm uh, going uh, with Matthias here. I, for one, uh, think it's going to be another really shocking performance of Dortmund. <laughs> and I really do hope they prove me wrong in this one. But, uh, yeah, me too. You know, I, I think they, 
I, I feel the Champions League hangover coming, but then again, there's also an element where I say, you know, they've turned it around ever since Darmstadt. Maybe, maybe that was the wake up call for them. So it would be nice if that, uh, if they stay awake. <laughs> um, but yeah, as Stefan nicely summed up, we will see. Um, Stefan, of course, we will now see you out. Uh, it was really nice of you to uh, appear on the Yellow Wallpot and hope uh, that will be a more regular thing. Um, so in the meantime, please do tell our listeners where they can find you on the internet and where they can read your written work. Oh, they can find me uh, mostly on ESPN um, FC. I'm working there as the, one of the Germany correspondents or the Germany correspondent, not too sure about that. Um, and uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Ursfeld, which... Um, is my surname um, U-E-R-S Felt we're going to have it in the show okay that's great um, someone, some, someone today tried to spell my, my name <laughs> out on uh, Sirius XM <laughs> my full Twitter handle yeah didn't go so well and um, <laughs> also make sure to uh, check out the Ditsport um, you will find the weekly power ranking um, the greatest ranking in world football Perfect last words, and with that, uh, Matthias and I will return after this short break. All right, we are back. Uh, Stefan Ösfeld now left us, and it's just uh, me and Matthias here. So, Matthias, um, we also still have to talk about your favorite pick out of the Champions League draw. Which team do you want to go up against as Borussia Dortmund? Well, I don't want Bayern. Um not necessarily because I don't think we can beat Bayern. It's just, uh, it would just be boring, really, at this point, you know. So Real Madrid I, instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. Um, I don't think anybody wants to face Barcelona right now. Um, uh, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, the obvious, the obvious answer for me would be, I don't know if it's that obvious. I mean, right now, Atletico Madrid, would be one that I wouldn't necessarily mind because they're not having a great season domestically. Um, they're actually playing relatively poorly. I mean, yeah, if Leicester somehow get past Sevilla, they, they could be a choice. Um, even though they seem to have found their mojo again a little bit, Sevilla, uh, wouldn't be a bad one, even though Sampaoli does have that team playing quite well. Overall, even though with, you know, he's being linked heavily as the favorite for the Barcelona job, so maybe that'll play into somebody's mind. I don't know. I would, um, I'd probably have to say Atletico or the winner of the Sevilla Leicester match. Yeah, the winner of the Atletico Leverkusen match is more or less determined. I don't see an epic comeback. 
from Bayer Leverkusen right now who uh, actually fired Roger Schmidt after they played in Dortmund. Yeah, and then they hired a guy who failed at Hannover and Kaiserslautern. So. Yeah, but he's only an interim sort of solution because they said they will have a bigger solution in the summer. So he must feel all the confidence and trust now. But you know, that's, that's the for the Neverkusen podcasts to discuss. Yeah. That's <laughs> um, other people's problems. It's funny when it happens to other people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, while people are looking up the uh, term Schadenfreude in the dictionary, I, uh, would also like another match against, uh, Man City. I, I think that would be fun. I, I oh, do geez, think. I totally forgot they were even still in the tournament. <laughs> yep. They are. Uh, I, and I think they will make it past Monaco. So, uh, yeah, they, that, that probably would be a nice, nice draw. But, uh, yeah, overall, if you look at the list of, of clubs that are, you know, within the best eight, there are not really too many games where Dortmund will be towering favorites. Let's put it this way. So, um, yeah. In the end, we all have to see, but I mean, it, it's, it's just fun, fun to, uh, you know, have a deeper run in the Champions League because whether it be Thomas Tuchel or any other fan of this club, uh, you know, the anticipation for those games is always higher than, than, uh, in, in, in any other game, I guess. Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe the Derby has a similar magic, but. I don't know. It's, it's, it, it feels differently, to be honest, you know, because the Derby, yeah. Schalke usually never have that. They don't have that European flair at all. I mean, Gelsenkirchen has the most opposite thing that is your, of, of European <laughs> flair. And Schalke are in the mid, mid table somewhere right now. And, uh, you know, anyway. Uh, yeah, there's just a few points off the, re- off the, uh, relegation spot. Yeah, four. Points yeah. to be exact of Hamburg, but yeah, as as long uh, they are in club in uh, serenity, <laughs> uh, they 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 might pull themselves out. Uh, and on, I guess on on Schalke, you uh, should stay tuned for Mr. Ulsfeld's piece, who will have a longer feature on on Schalke coming out soon. So uh, look around for that. Um, yeah, I actually just brought the Champions League up because we still had. Uh, voice of Mr. Socrates and uh, the last on the last show I already played a clip of of him in from the mix zone and we had so so much good feedback that I decided to do the same but uh, we didn't have enough time in the earlier segment to play it so I will just play it now yeah I feel it a little bit uh, in the last oh, in the last period when from the corner kick I feel it a little bit my here now the one point but we'll see tomorrow okay about about the match um, about the match we play very good it was uh, we start we score after four minutes and this was uh, very good for us and uh, after uh, you know it's our stadium the people help us also and uh, I think we did one very good game in Lissabon hast du gesagt, äh, Aubameyang macht dann eben im nächsten Spiel zwei Tore, jetzt waren es sogar drei. Jetzt, you have to say to me, congratulations. Es also waren drei, nicht zwei. Yes. He said two, but he did three. He did one more. No, Aubameyang is amazing player. What happened in, 
the last game was he doesn't have luck and today we'll see everybody show that he give uh, he give us one uh, very good uh, game yeah. in that one scene when Dembélé was already on a yellow card and there was this this foul he did you came all the way from the back to talk to him what did you say I said to him that just he has to relax okay you know sometimes this can happen in the game everybody is nervous also you take red card before two three weeks and you know this is a game okay did you play 300% better than you did against Liverpool I think yes that we play better uh, we had more power in our game and uh, I think that we did what was uh, perfect for the win today. Do you know why you always can raise the level in the Champions League? Is that an explanation? No, it's the, is it the know, music? No, but it's difficult. I said we have a lot of young players and uh, also that they didn't play the last year's three games in, a, in one week. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to, to react after two, two hard games. Mm -hmm. What happened in Darmstadt? We play against the uh, Hertha 120 minutes. We had also two hard games before, and in Darmstadt we play very bad. We didn't play. We... <laughs> okay. okay. Thank, Thank you very Thank much. You. Yeah, that was Mr. Socrates. Uh, Matthias, anything you took away from that interview? Uh, I mean, obviously, at the beginning of the interview, he was talking about. Um, You know, uh, the, I guess you could call it the tightness he was feeling. Um, cause people yeah, didn't catch thigh. that. Yeah, he, in, he in was his... pointing at his thigh. It's really yeah. hard to, to, uh, transmit that on audio. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, he acknowledged some of the, some of the weak points of previous matches. But, uh, no, I mean, Socrates is Socrates. You know, I mean, he's a player where I have to say I totally underestimated him when he came. I think you and I, uh, we, we did that episode, I don't know, a hundred episodes ago or something like that. Uh, when he came, when, when Dortmund went through that phase of hiring people with incredibly long names, you know, Socrates Papastatopoulos, Obama Young and Mikitarian all at the same time. And I, I said, why did we buy this guy? He sucked at Bremen. Well, you know, after that we figured out it was maybe a Bremen problem, not a Socrates problem. And uh, you could see he's feeling a little bit more comfortable. We talked about it in one of the previous uh, podcasts, I think the last one I was on, about the synergies, the automatisms in, in the back line. And, and now with Mark Bartra playing better, uh, you could see Socrates was a lot more comfortable in this match than he had been in a few of the previous ones. Oh yeah, with, without a doubt. I, I mean, I think form of each center backs immediately helps any other center back. I mean, that's really uh, the most obvious thing I could think of to say right now. <laughs> But it's also just true. I mean, Mark Bartra is in, in really good form and Socrates has been arguably uh, Dortmund's most consistent player over the entire season. And, uh, you know, as, as we said earlier, those uh, three clean sheets... Dortmund now, uh, yeah, pulled off in the last four games. Uh, that's, that's definitely not a coincidence. And uh, it certainly has to do with, uh, Badra 
reaching his form and, and Tuchel finding a formation where it seems to be defensively clicking. And I, I do wonder, uh, you know, if the same will, will uh, happen against Hertha, of course. Um, but Matthias, um, we very briefly have to talk about Dortmund's cup game against Lotte because uh, Konstantin and I previewed that more or less already. But uh, now, of course, we do know that there have been news uh meaning the team lineups and we saw that Roman Weidenfeller once again wasn't on the team sheet and he is the designated DFB Pokal Cup keeper but uh, he wasn't so do you think that's really uh, it for him? No, I think the way Thomas Tuchel is looking at this the same thing happened in the Europa League last year I mean Weidenfeller played a lot there and then Buki started to take over as we came down the stretch of the season and I think that's the same way this season. I mean, it's, it's, it's now put up or shut up time of the season. Um, you know, we've got the goal that we want to win the cup. Um, we want to finish second in the Bundesliga. I think that's a clear goal and I think it is an entirely achievable goal. And, you know, who knows what we can do in the Champions League? We've already achieved the big goal. I think the big goal was quarterfinals. Uh, I think there's a, a a possibility of semifinals. I wouldn't even put the final past us at this point. And keeping Bürki in there, who is having a very good season for Dortmund, uh, despite his injury break, and is becoming a, a really solid, calming factor in the back line that occasionally he wasn't last season, uh, I think that's very, very important because it speaks to the automatisms because the keeper, with Mats Hummels being gone, even though Socrates is there, the keeper is much more important also for organizing the back line and seeing the game build up from the back. And Bürki can play the ball out, whereas Roman Weidenfeller, every time the ball gets played back to him, you know, I send a few Hail Marys. Um, so I think that's what it boils down to. I think it's less of an issue with Roman Weidenfeller and more of a fact that Thomas Tuchel wants to keep the defensive automatisms and familiarity going forward. Yeah, I completely agree. But, uh, you know, and in, in, in that case, uh, you still can say that it's that for Weidenfeller in that sense. Oh, well, yeah. Because... I mean, unless unless there's like an injury issue or anything like that. I, I think... Yeah, of course. It, I mean, in my opinion, you could have played him against Lotte. I mean, no offense, Lotte. You know, I'm, I'm from Westfalen. Yes, they're from Westfalen as well. Uh, so, no offense, Lotte, but it's Lotte. Um, you could have played him, but, you know, I, I, I think Weidenfeller knows his role in this squad. All right. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, that was our little Lotte pep talk, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. That was just really the, the one point I wanted to uh, talk about. Um, but Matthias. Towards the end of the show, um, it'll be your honor because uh, we have something really exciting to announce. And uh, yes. I know you, you can do such things way better than me since you are <laughs> also the original host of the show. I just uh, at some point took over without even really wanting. But, you know, that's just how <laughs> things pan out. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that was a... a rather hectic traveling time for me when I think I was gone for like 80% of the year, which is just great for relationships too, I have to add. Um, so we um, have 
launched. I don't know if you hit the launch button yet or not, Stefan. Um, but <laughs> well, this isn't a live show, so th yeah, that so is this. true. That is true. So it will be launched when you hear this. Uh, we have uh, started a Yellow Wall uh, Pod Patreon page. And uh, for those of you who don't know what Patreon is, Patreon is basically a place, it is not a subscription model, you're not paying for content. It's essentially, if any of you are, are gamers, you're familiar with Twitch, which has a donation type segment, and this is essentially what that is. So when I started the Yellow Wall five seasons ago, hard to believe, uh, you know, it was... You know, I mean, this is a hobby still to a certain degree. It's gotten a lot more professional since then. But we all still do this for the love of the club. We all do it for free. There has been no real advertising ever, and we want to keep the Yellow Wall ad-free, both the website and the podcast. So we launched Patreon as kind of if anybody wants to support the Yellow Wall and what we do here on the podcast as well as the website. Um you know, to say thank you monetarily, um, that would mean a lot because we could really use some, some upgrades, be it software, web-based, uh, hardware and stuff like that to take everything we do to the next level. We also have some, some cool plans and ideas for the future that Stefan and I talked about, uh, midweek or early in the week. And so it, this is kind of a way for us to keep everything ad-free, but maybe still bring in some revenue that we can invest into the Yellow Wall uh, to deliver even better content for you guys. There's not going to be, like, extra added content if you are uh, a patron. Uh, what you'll get is, I mean, basically there's there are two tiers. There's the $1 tier, which is the minimum. We'll give you a shout-out here on the show. You know, say thank you because deserve a thank you and you deserve a thank you anyway just by listening uh and by reading and then we've got limited three uh stadium uh limited edition collector mugs you can go to the patreon page link will be in uh the show notes and on the website and you can there's it's 15 dollar patreon support you can cancel you know the next month kind of a deal. Um, and there yeah, are only I bumped three it of up them. that high because, you know, I have to uh, add in the, uh, shipping, shipping fee. Exactly. Yep, because exactly. I know we have a lot of international listeners and if I have to, uh, send it to Timbuktu or so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's included in the whole deal. So yeah, that's yeah, why. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. So, and you know, if it's, if, if you can't afford to support, Please don't. Uh, you're still going to all get the exact same wonderful content you've been getting so far. But if you like, hey, you know, I've been listening to this now for five years or three years or two years or two seconds, and I love it. And here's a here's a buck uh, or two bucks of support. Um, it really is humbling and would really mean a lot to us. Um because we love doing this. We love this. And um, we we want to continue doing it and make it bigger and better. And obviously, there are certain financial limitations to that as to what we can invest in this uh, beyond what we already have invested into it. Yeah. I mean, just look at the prices of what a freaking sound mixer costs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or a decent mic. 
you know? Yeah. Which I'm not using right now. I'm not yeah. using a decent mic right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that uh, had had to logis- logistical yes, yes, reasons because... rather than you not having a mic at all. Yeah. I mean, Inter- I, international I, I invested. Travel. I invested already. I mean, I I got a fairly decent mic. I got a microphone arm. I got a pop killer and 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 stuff like that. And uh, you know, but but obviously not everyone on the panel has all that equipment. It would be cool if uh, yeah we we can invest in, in that direction too because I am all about audio quality and uh, you know as as soon as we can yeah in, invest a little bit more into that, that that's that's awesome because I want this show to sound as as good as possible really and uh, you know a microphone a hardware is, is pretty much. The groundwork for that, but also we want to add a bit of software. And I mean, we already have running costs. We have a, a server to that that uh, has a bit of uh, fees. And uh, Terry DeFellin is actually so nice to cover that. But obviously, we also have to pay for our professional SoundCloud account and our phonic and and whatnot. So there are a couple of investments we we have. So, yeah, I don't want to talk too long about it, but, uh, you know, I would be really, really grateful if you, uh, have a couple of bucks to spare. I mean, we, after all, appear at least four times a week as a podcast and we do, uh, written content. I, I don't know, but the, the amount of time we actually spent doing this whole thing, you know, a master's tour, a decent amount of money I could make as a freelancer elsewhere. So, um, you know, as as one gets older the the bills have to be paid i'm afraid so uh you know we also have to limit ourselves just because we have to do other jobs but you know this obviously is the most fun thing to do and uh, we want to continue and and improve it as well so yeah exactly so enough begging enough begging e- exactly <laughs> exactly and uh yeah if you don't if if you want to stay anonymous uh but want still to give us some money then just put it in the message you know that you don't want to receive a shout out i think that's cool because we of course value the the privacy of every listener so yeah with that matthias uh, it's time to say goodbye goodbye yeah <laughs> goodbye <laughs> do you want to do the outro since you uh did such a good job at handling the uh, whole patreon thing oh thanks thanks yeah it's just like riding a bicycle <laughs> right doing the outro um so uh stefan thank you for hosting yet again and how can people get in touch with you oh they uh, can do that at stefan Butzko on twitter i am not gonna spell it out because of reasons <laughs> <laughs> hashtag reasons uh yes you you can find me on twitter as well at matthias Suk. i'm also not going to spell that out because it's more fun that way uh, you can get in touch with the show on Twitter at Yellow Wall Pod, on Facebook, Yellow Wall Pod, and of course on Stitcher, SoundCloud, and of course iTunes. Please, it would always be nice to drop a rating on iTunes and whatever all platforms. It definitely helps. And, uh, so from all of us to all of you, thank you so, so much once again for tuning into the Yellow Wall. And until next time, stay safe and goodbye. <laughs>